Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Hey everyone, welcome back to Puzzling Company. It's your host, Zach, and always with me is... Jared. <gasps> Jared, hey! I don't know who I thought it was going to be this week, but I'm glad it's you. I'm happy it's me too. Okay, I'm just going to tell you this now, Jared. I was really hoping it was kind of someone else. Do you have like someone specific that you were thinking? Um, Neil Patrick Harris would be kind of cool. Um, Santa Claus. Santa Claus also would be kind of cool. I know, Easter Bunny. I know. I know how big of a Godzilla fan you are. Maybe Godzilla. <laughs> It'd be Godzilla, dude. That'd actually be great. Um, but no, thank you guys for being here. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be covering Escapages' game that is full deck. Ooh, baby, this was this was one of a, it's a longer game that we played. Yes, this is by far, I think, one of the longest games that we've played, um, packed with tons of different types of puzzles, as well as a very long and rich narrative, to say the least. Um, but we're going to get into it. We'll see you guys in a little bit. Hey, Zach. Jared, I'm not falling for this again. Oh, so what? Now you don't trust me? Correct. I don't trust you. Well, then do I have a game for you? What are you talking about? Floor 13 from CU Adventures. It's the story of a company with too much trust. But I don't trust you. Well, Zach, trust me on this. You need to head on over to cuadventures.com and play Floor 13 or their other game, The Lost Temple, and you will not be disappointed. And be sure to catch our episode with them next month. Well, welcome to our first segment, guys. This is kind of a part where me and Jared discuss things about the game, things that we liked, things that we thought could be improved, and just kind of discuss them going through different points. So in this part, um, with this game specifically, it being full deck, there's a lot actually to this game, right, Jared? Yes, this is not, I will say it is not your average puzzle book game. Yeah. Why is that, though? Um, So there's a few different elements to this game. Um, So the first being, when you buy this game, you can actually buy it in different versions. That's how it was on the Kickstarter. Correct. Correct. Uh, I don't know. If, okay. So maybe what, how they sell it now, it's the full yeah, thing. Yeah. Moving forward, I don't, in, in talking with the creator, they're not going to release some of the things that you could have gotten on the Kickstarter. So primarily, I think what they're going to do is just the books. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so what we got to cover um, is we got um, three books, um, which is the Sleep Journal, um, which is important to the narrative in one aspect. Uh, we got the Mastermind. Um, which is a diary entry um, from a specific uh, person that we want to learn a lot about in this game. And then um, then we get like the book that kind of covers how the game flows, what the purpose of the game is, and kind of gives like the hint system and like the answer yes. keys. Yes. So you can, because in this game, there's no like website to put in the answers. In this game, you check it by using the book. Yes. So that's how that's going to go. Um, also in the game, we should clarify this. Uh, you do also get the, uh, you basically get items that go to different pieces of evidence um, that match cards. And that's the other part of this game is that we had to match pieces of evidence to specific suits and types of cards. Yes. To make sure that they related to like the narrative as well as how it would make sense that why the absolutely the killer would put them there. Yes. Um, So that's everything we're going to cover. But we're actually going to head straight into what we liked about this game. So Jared, what did we like? I would read this just as a book. I'll say it like that. The story itself was just really engaging. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds right now of talking about how they went about doing that. Cause I think we're talking about that in another section, but if you like true crimes, serial killers, that type of story is engaging to you. I think this is alone, just a really good story because it kind of follows that model of a multi-point perspective, Right. Between all of the reading materials that you're getting, you're getting, and this won't ruin anything, you're getting the killer's perspective, you're getting the lead detective's perspective, and then a smattering of things that amplify that story. And it's just a really well-told well story, especially considering the fact that the author of the game itself wrote all those different perspectives. Right. And he's going to you'll hear him talk a little bit about that in the interview. But just from like if this was a book, a short book that I read, I would leave this purely from a story perspective saying I really enjoyed that. Like, I really like that story. 
Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, the narrative in this game I thought was really well done, and we'll discuss. We'll talk about this a little bit more in detail um, later on as well. But what also I found really intriguing about this is that at a baseline, the story is well done, but there's a lot more to it than meets the eye, and there's yes. a lot you can do um, to kind of enrich the story or get more details, right? Um, me and Jared were talking about it, and Jared will explain it probably better than I will, um, but we kind of discussed it. I think it reminds me of, like, a video game. So we were talking about, I think, Legend of Zelda, right, yes, Jared? Yes, we were. Um, so, you know, obviously you can p- complete the game just doing the base campaign, right? You can just do the main quests. You, you know, you'll defeat Ganon. Spoiler, I'm sorry. You'll defeat Ganon. <laughs> um, and then that that's it. And then after that, it's on you if you want to continue playing or not. Um, while this offers kind of the same thing where you could understand the base story without really doing much more than that, but it offers so many different like side quests that enrich the narrative and make you fully understand what truly is happening. Um, cause we don't want to spoil much what's our, what is actually in the books, but there's a lot of information that is potentially missing or on, on you to figure out what it is. Yeah. And I, I really like that because you're not just reading text in a traditional book, right? Yeah one of the things that you have is uh, a sleep journal and that sleep journal is the lead detective's story. Mm-hmm. And you're getting to hear that in that individual's voice. And then you also get this really weird, creepy journal, the masterpiece document, and that's the serial killer. And then kind of tying all those things together is the the ephemera book. And that is kind of showing really the details of how all of this went down and helping you fit pieces that maybe you didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So it just, it was just really well done because I'm used to just grabbing a puzzle book. There's some puzzles, maybe a loose narrative, but this really went above and beyond on a detailed level to tie all of this together. And it's like you said, you can go as deep as you want with it. Mm -hmm. And I like that because if you want to just read a cool serial killer story, pick out some details, Awesome. If you want to see how this immaculately written story all feeds together through three books, 52 pieces of in, or 54 pieces of individual evidence and leave kind of like when you 100 percent a video game, mm-hmm. then you can you can do that. You can do that. And, and, it, and it gives you that option. And I, I think that's really smart because kind of like when we were talking about um, David Kwong's work with mm-hmm. his Enigma deck. Go as deep as you want to go. Yeah. Like, I I think that's smart to have like a very basic, anybody can get this, understand this level. But also if you're looking for richness and fullness and you're the person that wants to find every less detail and uh, and unlock every little Easter egg in something, you have that option here too. Yeah. And I like that a lot. And I think that was really smart. And I've, it was really well done. Like, I'm sure that, I mean, we put a good amount of time into this, Mm -hmm. uh, used a lot of hints, (laughs) honest confession. Yeah. Um, But I, I just think it was really well done from a narrative perspective all around. Yeah. And to cover the hint thing real quick, um, part of the game, because I think what we talked about this is that one of the books is clearly an answered key. So yes. you do need to check it to make sure yes. that you are 100% correct if you want your narrative to make more sense. Um, but yes, we did use a good bit of hints, uh, to be honest. Um, we've kind of covered the other two points a little bit of what we really liked about this game. Um, just to go back over them. Um, the second thing that we really liked was the medium. So uh, Jared, I think explained it best kind of like think of this as a book. I mean, obviously they are books, but like think of the narrative as just reading a story. It's just very well done in the books. It's well written. It's well written. It's well written. It it looks great. Like the material's good. Like it just fit perfectly in journals, basically being like a journal between the the lead detective and, and the killer. Yes. Um, it's like I said, just very well done. And then the material and stuff, the medium for all the, the photographs and the different pieces of evidence I thought was well done as well. It just overall, I think the medium was perfect. And then the third thing that we kind of covered a little bit was that the puzzles and the narrative for enrichment, like how this game is just baseline. You can do what you want, right? You can, like we talked about the, the analogy of a, like a video game. You can do as, as little as you want and complete the camp, you know, complete the story, or you can do as much as you want. And I think those are all just things that we really enjoyed about full deck. Yes. And it, and it is interesting because we are starting to see some trends, mm-hmm. mostly in games that you and I have played recently. And I don't think one is better than the other, but they definitely have their own feels. So when uh, let's talk about games that we've reviewed recently. If you are fortunate enough to get to play anything by Enigma Fellowship, 
the way that their puzzle mechanic works is their puzzles block the advancement of the narrative. Yes. Uh, same thing with um, what we saw in Dan's work with Runes of Odin. Mm-hmm. Um, both, we enjoyed both of those experiences a lot, but you have to earn your way into all of the narrative. Yes. Then in games like this, and spoiler, we have also played Root of Evil by Krakenut recently. That and this, they offer you the opportunity to puzzle through the game, and then it, there's Easter eggs that enrich the game where there are puzzling yep. aspects. So the puzzles don't necessarily gate the experience. They enrich. They mm-hmm. make it fuller. You could, uh, in, in, in terms of some of these, do a couple of puzzles and experience the entire narrative and be fine with it. So it is interesting to see what different creators are taking different routes on this. Again, I don't think one is better than the other. I think using them accordingly to the story that you're trying to tell is very appropriate. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting to jump from one to the other and not know what the expectation is once you, because they're not, how can you advertise that? Yeah, no, I mean, you can't. And I think that is the, the fun part for us. You know, oh, boohoo, we play, we get to play so many games that we Gosh, enjoy. That's the worst. But yeah. it is interesting going into a game and like playing a game like it and expecting how it's going to work and flow and how it ends. And then when you get it, it's not saying that it's bad, but it's just different. And you're like, oh, that's like the other game we played. Yeah. And like then you, but then you like it feels like sometimes we just go, we just flop back and forth between different styles of games, um, which which is fun. It definitely keeps us on our toes and thinking about how they could do it or like how we could play it. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to kind of move on into the parts that we thought could have room for improvements for full deck. Um, so kind of the first thing I'll say is some of the puzzling aspects. Obviously, we we talked about how much we love the narrative and how the puzzles kind of feed into enrich the narrative. The only thing that came up a few times was that some of the puzzles just didn't enrich the narrative. Sure. And let me let me go into a little more detail to understand what we're talking about in terms of the puzzling in the in this game, it really happens in one of three ways. Yes. And this is not a spoiler. If you're working through the sleep journal, you are filling in redacted spaces. Yes. And by doing that, you re- reveal the, the narrative. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any issues there. Nope. We had zero issues there. That was actually a kind of a really fun, quirky dynamic that we don't see a whole lot. Yes. And we enjoyed going through that. Some of them were in... When you're assigning, there is, and it's almost a, I would call it not a mini game, but not, again, not, you don't need to do this to understand the full game. If you want Mm -hmm. to, you can. But when we were working through some of um, the 54 pieces of evidence, your goal is to assign one deck or one card from the deck to each of those pieces of evidence, which is where you get the full deck title. Yes. And we struggled mightily there because in our view, some cards could you could rationalize that this should be with this card, but then when we went into the hints and looked through solutions, it was with that. So we struggled a little bit there. The other parts are most of the puzzling, in my opinion, comes in the masterpiece document, which is the serial killer written document. Mm-hmm. And most of those puzzles were great, but I think we found a few puzzle mistakes, things that just need to be changed. Um, But again, it did not ruin our experience because of the way the experience was designed. It was just a little frustrating from a puzzle perspective to find puzzles that either we couldn't get enough momentum or when we use the hints still couldn't figure it out or in a couple of places found some that just like we think and we could be wrong here. um, We always are open to our. Um, creators coming back and saying like, no, you do this and we'll be more than happy to eat crow and speak about this. Mm-hmm. But there were, I believe, a couple of puzzles that just the final answer was inaccurate. Correct. Um, so to explain it a little bit more is that in um, one of the books, the, the, the F- answer key. The ephemera book, yes. yes um, they have a bin entry like uh, set up. Um, so what that basically means is that in the narrative is that the, the police department has gathered all this information. Yes. But it's on you to figure out which pieces of information you need. Right, um, which so, makes sense. Correct. So the yeah. answer sheet, when you solve things, tells you like to go look at it and make sure that it's correct, that it makes sense. So, um, and when you also look at the hint system. So you go there and you look, and there was just a few times on specific puzzles that we would get an answer, and the answer that was in the book was different. And we were like, okay, maybe we messed up. 
Yes. And then we'd look through and I'm like, okay, there's no way we messed up. Like we kept reading through, we redid the puzzle and I, we were just confused if it was something that we messed up on and maybe we did. Maybe we look back at it again after we discuss it with maybe the creator, or someone else, and they understand what we messed up on. There's just times that we, the answer we got was not the one that was in the book, but we we're like ours, we're 99% sure ours is correct. Yes. Um, and like I said, it didn't take away the full, st- like, it doesn't like ruin the experience. It just felt frustrating when you, when we're having so much fun and then we have like roadblocks that just go, okay, well that's technically not right. Cause there's, there were definitely some puzzles in there that we wrestled with mm-hmm. for a good little bit. And then when we got to the end of them, we were like, oh, okay, like, well done. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we, that was, that was smart. We didn't pick up on that. Some puzzles that we breezed through pretty easily. But there were just enough of those sticking points where it was like, okay, first hint, second hint, answer. And it was either that answer is, I think, incorrect, or I just don't know how we were going to get there based on the information that was given. And again, that was a small majority of what was going on. And I think some of those are just easily, can be easily fixed. Yes. Um, And I was not a did not make this a bad game at all for me. No, especially like I mentioned earlier in the way that this game was designed, you didn't, you didn't have to solve all the puzzles in order to get the fulfillment, in my opinion, of the overall narrative, which was the goal. Yeah. Um, so Jared, what else did we find could be improved in this game? Well, kind of directly relating to that is we found some sticking points with the hint system itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was actually pretty clever to, build the hint system in into the narrative system. Yes. Um, but I'm just such a sucker for online systems that give you tiered hints. Yes. And there was a little aspect of tiered hints in there, but there were just some points where it just wasn't enough information to get us to where we needed to go. It felt like, Mm -hmm. would you agree? I think I, I kind of agree. Um, so yeah, to clarify, there is kind of a hint system. There's like a a first piece of advice, depending on what, like there's, a three different hint systems. Yeah. In that's this, true. Depending on what book you're working what, on. What you're working on. If we're talking about specifically like when we worked on masterpiece or, um, so to clarify, um, so when you do masterpiece, the hint system is basically giving you like, okay, what's the item you're working on. So it gives you like a very basic clue that kind of like, like very vague. It gives you another one that puts you in the next step of the direction that you should be going. The third one tells you, and the final one tells you like, go check the answer sheet. Yes. Basically. Yes. So that's how that works. Um, the one for sleep journal, um, this is where like, so there's really not a, like a hint system for it. it. It's basically just the, the, uh, the data entry point where yes. it basically tells you how to do the answer sheet to figure yes. out what words. And the fun part with that I actually liked and could be part in the, in the like section is that, um, it makes you work for the words that you were missing. Um, it's, it, it, you know, it, so it gives you like a value and it explains in the book how it works. Yeah, it's it's logistically and creatively a very cool clue system. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't ruin anything either, but they mirror the answers. Correct. Because, um, and I like that too, because on other things where we have a finite hint system, how easy is it to just accidentally look see, at another one. see the right answer yeah. or see another answer? So I like that. And again, this is this is not like a, a major gripe, but I just feel like a room for improvement. My My constructive critique is, I just don't think the hints were worded well okay. in some yeah. points or gave us enough information mm-hmm. to where you could expect the average person to solve that puzzle. Sure. I, I think I can agree with that. Um, so the final thing I think that I would talk about is comprehending the game's completion. What do you mean by that? So in some games that you play, right, there's a clear ending, right? So if you're playing a game like, you know, soup or, you know, any of the types of games like, um, runes of Odin kind of has one as well. And we played that and we kind of discussed that. Um, there are games that clearly tell you when it's over. Um, we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, and it's a spoiler. We have played root of all evil. Um, and we've played this game, but specifically with this game, we'll talk about it more is that there is not a thing that tells you you are done. Right. Uh, the game is kind of open up to you to figure out what the basically the whole understanding of the game is that in the um, it tells you clearly what you're trying to find. You're trying to find information to finish the story. So like I said, you finish the story and you can go, okay, I have a basic understanding. And then the rest of the game is like trying to give you enrichment. Um, but it just felt like at, and we felt this a little bit when we played Rudal Evil. Um, 
just to, to put that out there now, like um, when you play this, you'll complete the story and then you'll go, okay, do I, after playing so many other games, we go, okay, is there a place where we need to put this information? Yeah. Is there a website where we tell like, oh, we think this is the serial killer and this is what we learned. You know, um, is there a thing we do with it? Do we, do we contact someone? Do we email them? Yes. You know, but there, there's not that. And um, yeah, I mean, it, you just, it kind of ends on whatever note you want to end on. Yeah. And, and in talking with Steven, this is actually one of the reasons, and I'm actually a big fan of this creator super excited to have him on the show and talking with him. Mm-hmm. He said that he's heard this from other players yeah. and as a result, he's working on a system so that you can confirm your correct understanding of the storyline and have a completion sense of source because it's important. And uh, I'll, I'll give shout outs to a couple other companies that I think have done this well. Uh, I believe it was uh, episode two of Scarlet Envelope mm-hmm. where we were solving a mystery in essence, they laid out the story for you. And then at the end, they say, prove it. Yep. Like prove to me that you actually know what you're talking about. And I think people like that because games have a, need a sense of completion. Yes. Right. Uh, same thing in what we experienced with uh, the Enigma Emporium's Wish You Were Here. Yes. Hey, I think we figured this out. Okay, yeah, prove, prove it. it. Prove yeah. it. Um, and I just think that's important, especially in uh, a, a crime thriller world, true, because you want to know that you solved the case correct? and you want to know that you, you did it. And then what's great after that is with this is it's already set up with so many little juicy details that you may have the, the primary story down and you may quote unquote, catch the killer and understand the, the case. Mm-hmm. But now can you go back and you, can you get into the mind of the serial killer and see all of the little things he was working on that he was talking about and how that interacts with the protagonist. Mm-hmm. That's what's really cool and what's well done about this game. So if it has that definitive ending and then kind of like we use the analogy of a video game, like an adventure video game, mm-hmm. now can I go back and do I want to complete all of the side quests? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, and I'm, and, and it's exciting to me as someone who's very passionate about these games to hear an owner say like, I've received that feedback I'm working on it. Yeah, that's really cool. Because I think there's a big temptation in this world is put it out there and sorry, guys, that is what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's cool to hear somebody who is obviously very passionate about his craft say like, yeah, I heard that. And that's, they're right. Like, that's a really good idea. Like that's someone whose games I'm going to continue to support and play and, and have a lot of respect for in our community. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, overall, if you couldn't hear it from us, this was unique. This yes. was unique. I've played a lot of other puzzle books and this is one of my favorites purely from just a really cool narrative standpoint and how they pieced all of this intricately together. It is logistically, a, uh, I will call it a, a masterpiece. <laughs> yes. If, if you I like will. It. Um, but I think we both uh, enjoyed it and are looking forward to trying some of Escapage's other stuff. Yes. No, I, I agree with Jared. It was a blast. And uh, Jared will tell you that I took the books home last night literally to just recomprehend the entire story. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed every part of it. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up our first segment. We're going to be back with uh, Puzzles of the People very soon. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. All right. Jared, I got to cut out a little early today. I have an interview. An interview? You didn't tell me about that. Where at? What soup? Oh, nice. I've heard really great things about the soup shed off of I-24. So come on down to the soup shed. No, Jared. Soup is a society for the observation of unknown phenomena. They actually sent me my first case as a test. Take a look at this folder. Why is this folder full of pictures of me? Well... They are all about documenting the weird and bizarre. If you'd like a chance to join Soup, head on over to crackinutmysteries.com. How did they get this picture of me in the shower? All right, everybody. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. This is the part of the show that we called Puzzles to the People for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because it's exciting to get to hear people's feedbacks. And as in this episode from time to time, we just talk about hot topic issues that are out there in the community that we hear as we're on the forums and in the Facebook groups talking with all of you about these things. And that's what we're doing today. I love to throw a curveball at Zach and we just have Why? a good discussion. <laughs> Mostly to make you squirm and to make you a little uncomfortable. I know. Which is good for all. It's a growth mechanism. True. 100%. 100%. 
and a little bit for my own personal enjoyment. But uh, hey, th- this is a serial killer game, and there's definitely that stint here and here. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> consider me your your torture serial killer in the middle of this uh, segment. Um, if you guys are hearing this, please help me. <laughs> so, all right. So what I what I want to do here is this is uh, episode number fourteen for us, and mm-hmm. this is our first puzzle book series that we're covering. This is the first time the medium is in a series of books or a book. Yes. And I want to open up a discussion and some questions to you about how those fit into the grand layout of the different mediums that are available in type puzzle, narrative, mystery type experiences. Mm -hmm. So my first question to you is this, are long stretches of reading in puzzle games and experiences bad or do they ruin games? Ooh, that's a great question. So I don't think it does. So I'm going to disagree with this statement. I think that some good stories take longer times to tell. It's not as simple as like, I mean, there are simple games who tell really simple stories that we love, right? We've said it many times, um, simple or complex, just make it good. Yeah. Right. That's the point. Um, I don't think it does. The only thing that I could understand how someone could potentially agree with the statement is that it does take a lot of time. And there are people who just don't have lots of time to play games, right? They might get it, you know, and they're like, Oh, it's only gonna take me a few hours, you know, and they, they start reading and they realize that like the books alone is a couple hours. Yes. Um, which I think is on them to an extent, because I, I mean, I think they clearly advertise like how long this experience is. It's not, you're not, this isn't an hour experience. I'm going to tell you that now, if you don't know, uh, this, this game is definitely like a six to 10 hour experience. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't think it does. I, I think you just have to understand going in that you're going to have to invest some time, but generally, and especially in this game, it is worth the time to yes, read that. I agree. I just have one little caveat to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's, I totally agree that long stretches of reading and puzzle games can be very appropriate. It was very appropriate in this game. It was very appropriate, as we mentioned in Root of All Evil, enjoyable, because it it, it wasn't just like a textbook. It wasn't like it met the medium. In this book, it was a sleep journal. And that added to the experience. The only thing that I wish people would know and that I think game creators can work with is let people on the front end know that, hey, there's going to be some read like there you might experience yeah. some uh, some long passages of reading in here and i think just letting people know what they're not necessarily just in time limit but what they might be experiencing in your game mm-hmm. can only be beneficial because then you're going to get the people that you want and not get the people that are going to leave the bad review that say i didn't know i'd have to read an hour or so yeah. and so forth um, like, uh, I'll give an example, mother of Frankenstein in the yep. conversations that we've had, and, and I'm excited about having them on the show here in the future once that releases, but in talking with them and other people that have beta tested it, there's a lot of reading. Yes. There is going to be a lot of reading in that story. Um, is that going to ruin the experience? Not from the beta testers I've talked to. Yeah. Like it's makes it that much better because they're very unapologetic about being a story and a narrative first. So I'm with you. Long stretches of reading, I'm with it. Wouldn't mind a heads up about that so that, like you said, I don't get into something that's time limit over my head or maybe I'm just not in the mood for. Sure. So my second question to you is, are most puzzle books on the market struggling with narrative when they include a narrative? So like there's some books out there, obviously, that are just crossword puzzle books or like I believe Master Theorem is just like a compendium of puzzles. Yeah. But a lot of puzzle books that we see try to include some element of narrative. My question to you is, are they struggling with that or not? That's a great question. Um, this is my personal opinion. I do think that they do struggle with narrative. Um, so what I mean by that is that not that I think the narrative is like bad, um, but generally what I've seen and when I've talked to other people is that the narrative is pretty loose. Like it's kind of just, it's there, but it doesn't mean a ton, but the puzzles kind of like feed into it a little bit, or maybe not even at all, depending on the book. Sure. Um, I just think that they struggle because they don't, because some of them are not 
enriching or making their narrative the number one priority and making the puzzles like second. They're making the puzzles first and the narrative just kind of like, how can I loosely fit all this together? It right. makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and I'm not going to throw out any other names here, but I think in some of the other puzzle books that I've experienced, it does feel like a gauntlet of puzzles. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and that's difficult because it wasn't necessarily advertised that way. Yeah. And the theming is appropriate. But when you have to compare it to something like what we're reviewing on this show where the narrative was just this staple and a rich staple at every single back and forth, then it's hard. Like I almost, I think I personally prefer something more like this. I kind of liken this to like when we um, read uh, S, um, Mm -hmm. the J.J. Abrams project. Um, That was, I mean, it was, you could just read that book as a novel and it, ironically, the puzzling aspects of that are not very strong, in my opinion. They're way too complex, mm-hmm. um, but maybe for another review another day. Yeah. But that just seems more engaging than, like I said, just page after page of not bad puzzles, really good and often very creative puzzles. But I just want something more if I'm going to continue to dedicate my time to something like that. Yeah, I think something has to, at least for me personally, I need something that's going to immerse me in it that makes it worth it. Yes. If I feel yeah. like I'm literally just doing a puzzling book, I not not against people who do that. I'm just, for me, to be honest, it feels like I'm back in school and I'm doing like homework. And yes. that's not against the, obviously the creators make great puzzles. It, it just feels that way, right? When you get like a, a pamphlet and you're like, okay, well, I have 15 math problems on it. You're like, okay, these might be good math problems, but is there anything that makes me want to do this more? Yes. You know, and, and narrative can really feed that. Narrative can... In, immerse you and entice you into doing it more and it feel even more rewarding than just completing the problem itself. I agree. I agree. So let me rope you into our next question here, which is should players have the expectation when they buy a puzzle book, this book, a lot of the other ones that we've looked through, played, talked to people about, Mm -hmm. should you have the expectation that this is going to function the same way that a lot of the other games that we've already talked about on the show function? That's interesting, actually. Um, no, I think you have to go in expecting something completely different every time. Um, reason why is that for, like in our experience, right, we've played a bunch of different games, um, some that have a more narrative rich um, driven game and that the the clues are kind of feeding into it. Um, we've played some other games we talked about a little bit. Uh, we'll bring up again. We played Root of All Evil. Um, I'm so excited to talk about that in the future. Uh, but like there are games that we've played where like it is the same style of game, but just done differently with its ending or how it flows where like sometimes the puzzles kind of are blocks until you can get more narrative while this game kind of gives you the whole narrative the entire time. Um, but you just have to go in expecting different because every time we've gone into a game like this, in our personal opinion, we go in and we go, okay, it might be like this game and we play and we're like, it's not it's different. And then we play another game and we go in and we go, Oh, we expect it to be like this game now. And we're like, well, it actually went back to how that one played. And it just, it feels like every time we go in, it it's a different experience, but it, it's a great thing. It, you just have to be prepared to uh, go in being ready for whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. I, I think puzzle books are a different breed. Yes. Uh, even in talking to Steven, who we had on the show, mm-hmm. he, he said, I was a little worried about coming on the show because this is the first time you guys have done something like this. And looking back at your other episodes, he goes, and he goes, we're just not those other things. Yeah. And, and they're not. And, and I have yet to play a puzzle book that I've completed in one sitting. Yeah. Uh, I think you, and, and I, and I think that we maybe sometimes do a disservice to the people that create these books mm-hmm. because they're meant to be played over time. Correct. They're not supposed to be made in one sitting. Yeah. Like it sitting. is. And, and we're so used to that, right? Yeah. Most of the games that we have played are, Hey, this is a one hour game or a one to three hour game. Most of these books are not, they're just not like, especially some of the ones that lack a little narrative. It's, you know, you can maybe solve two or three of these puzzles in an hour if you just catch on to what's going on. Um, But especially with full deck, give yourself a a day, two days, if you're really, and then even then you're going to have to commit a lot of time. But I think setting that expectation will allow you to actually enjoy what the creators have intended, mm-hmm. right? This is not, because it's a book, it's more of an individual experience than it is a group experience. Yeah. So kind of do with it at your leisure. Yes. And if you want to gun it, gun it. And if you want to take this over the course of a month, well, it's great. It's sectioned off to where you can do that. 
yeah. and, and appropriately. Okay, next question for you is, do puzzle books have more limitations than advantages? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm throwing the big guns at you today. I'm throwing the I'm throwing you the tough ones. This is a hard question. I feel like no matter how I'm going to answer this, it's going to be wrong. <laughs> I would say that they do not. I feel like they have more advantages than limitations. Um, and what I, what I mean by that, right, is that the size of a book can be whatever size it wants to be. Um, you can make it have more than it you can make it have way more you can have it may make it way less it could be a pamphlet it could be a 200 page novel right uh now people hopefully buying that 200 page novel understand that that's what it is you know but you just like most the other kind of mediums you have a lot of room to make it whatever you want and i think one of the most interesting things about puzzle books a lot of them that we've looked at or that i've looked at personally can be really creative with the space that it does have. Totally agree. Um, so I, I think they have a lot of advantages. I The only limitation in my personal opinion is that it is generally stuck in a book, but that we've seen some where there are other elements outside the book. So, I mean, I, I think it's hard to say that there's more limitations than there's like advantages. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I would especially agree with this in the at-home space. Yeah. Because think about this, how many times have we gone into an escape room and it's, here's the journal, you know, get through the temple or, and it's like, I don't have time to read this. Yeah, I don't want to read this. I want to do, like, I want to touch things and, you like, know. I, I remember one specific game that you and I played together. It was a split experience. <laughs> I do know what you're talking about. Yes. And it was like, we're, we're reading a novel here and we ain't got time for all that. Yep. You know, and uh, so I think especially in the at-home space, yes, there there is so much room in, 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 in ideas that can come from this, which I'm just going to go ahead and take us into our last question because I think you and I are in agreement here is um, where is there room for more creativity? Um, so in my opinion, I think one of the most interesting things is that you can make the pages, I mean, just like any art, you can, you can, pages can be art. You can fit so many different things in a piece of paper that it, I mean, people in the at-home space, you know, um, different types of creators, like when we play some of the other games that have paper products, the things they do with paper astonishes me. You know, now I'm starting to catch on to what a lot of those things are, but there's still times like in this game that it, it surprised me what you could do. Um, it's just, there's so much you can do. It's just on you to think differently. It does push you for sure. It, it, yeah, because your limitation could be that it's on paper, but like you can hide it in secret ink. You can make the paper like if you put enough heat on it, it does this. You can you know do this. You can make your puzzle relate to something else that you've acquired. You can have a piece of paper fall out that you you thought was not supposed to, but the whole purpose that it, it can. You know, there's just so many different creative ways to make such small spaces work to feed into either one puzzle or multiple, and it's just. The other creative part could be the puzzles themselves. How could you creatively use the space more? Or how can you use this puzzle to relate to the whole book as a whole? Like, you know, if you have a meta puzzle that relates to the whole book. I, I mean, I think this isn't the greatest analogy, but I'll do it towards a game that we've played in the at home space. I think what Unlock does sometimes is that its meta puzzle requires you to use all the material that you've used before. Like You're speaking about the card game, correct? Correct. Unlock the, the card games, so yes. like uh, Epic Adventures, stuff like that. Yes. is like some of those games that we've played, at the end, it requires you to use everything that you've previously used, like all the other cards, and you realize that the, the cards themselves have something on them that yes. feeds into the final puzzle. Yes. So it felt like you've, you've done all this and you've individually used each card, but then it goes, actually... We, you didn't look at all those cards well enough. There's something that tells you how to do this final puzzle. And you go back and you're like, oh my gosh, there's all that. And I think puzzle books could do that if they already aren't doing that. You know, like make it where you go through. Like we had a few puzzles in this game that goes, maybe that, you know, maybe the gift eight is, is very important here. You know, or maybe, you know, all of the puzzles you just did previously will help you solve this one. Yes. I, I agree. And I'm going to take a, I agree with your overall premise, but I'm going to take it a different angle in terms okay. of pushing the creativity. And I think the book that we did today, the series that we did today is the perfect example is turn it into something that we're super familiar with and then just take a different angle on it. And what I mean by that is I feel like in a lot of other puzzle books, it's just like this, um, like cryptic image after cryptic image. And 
it's uh, just kind of a book of cryptic images and you do a couple of mm-hmm. interesting things. But in this, like we had a sleep journal. Yep. Like nobody else can claim that space. Only books can claim that space. Yep. We had uh, the diary of a, of a mad crazed serial killer not plotting his course and talking us through that mm-hmm. books are, have been around f- for so long. Yes. So it's really cool to see that people who are in this space can flex that and continue to flex that. I think of another one that I'm hoping to play in the future is, um, Joaquin's, uh, alchemy book. Yes. Like how cool does that look? It's a book. It looks great. It looks good, but it's aged and it mm-hmm. fits the time and, and I think that really looks fantastic. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think there's so much more ways to flex that creativity, whereas traditionally for the, for the mainstream, mm-hmm. we've seen a very standardized formula yeah. followed in this space. And I think games like this get me excited about what can be done with that space in the future. Agreed. Well, that is all the questions I have for you today, Zach. We didn't disagree today, I don't think. It's kind of like a miracle, to be honest. <laughs> but I think that I'm right, and you're just understanding now that I'm always right. Oh, you know that makes no sense at all. Well, we're going to oh. head over to uh, questions for creators. Hang with us. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. All right, Zach, pick a card, any card. Dude, we are supposed to be doing an ad right now. Okay, I know, just... Uh... Just be cool, Zach. You know I always wanted to be a magician. I don't think this is the right time or medium for a magic trick. But okay, I've picked a card. Okay, look at it and don't tell me what it is. And how's the audience going to know what card this is? Just just be cool, man. I, I just got this new Enigmas card deck, and I just wanted to show you a new trick I've been working on. Oh, Jared. I'm sure your trick's going to be great, but there's something you don't know about that deck. Okay. I see what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. What? You think you're a better magician than me. You think you know more about this deck of cards than I do. You're trying to heckle me and usurp the great Jared Zini. Jared, Jared, Jared. Well, I did back the project on Kickstarter and I've been playing the puzzle game hidden inside. There's actually a full puzzle hunt you can discover. I imagine you got those over at davidkwongmagic.com. Nice try, Zach, but a magician never reveals his secrets. Magician's code. Well, if you're looking for an amazing experience from a real magician... I'm sitting right here. Then head over to davidkwongmagic.com and pick up Enigma's Puzzle Hunt playing cards. Welcome back to Puzzling Company, guys. We are in our segment that is called Questions for Creators. In this segment, we get to discuss and talk to the creators and ask them questions, um, anything from telling us like basic info about them to maybe what they've been playing recently. Um, and it's just like a really nice part to get to hear them uninterrupted talk about things about their game. So, Jared, who are we talking to today? Well, I'm going to let our host introduce themselves. Oh, okay. Or I should say our guest. I'm the host. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I don't think we've mentioned thus far is, and we need to do this, is uh, Escapages is actually a joint venture. Yes. Um, there are two creators that are actually, as you'll find out, good friends. Mm-hmm. And we talked to Steven because he was the lead on this project. Yes. So, um, and you'll hear him bring that up as well, but we just want to make that very clear. Um, but super, super cool guy. Yes. Really friendly. Uh, I just had a blast getting to talk to him. I know you did as well. Mm-hmm. And we just can't wait to see what else that he's cooking up in the future. Spoiler, you want to hang around for question number six, which is what else are you making in the future? Yes. Some really cool stuff that mm-hmm. I'm very excited about. Agreed. Definitely hang around for that question. But yeah, I'm, uh, I say we get into it and let's meet our guest. Let's do it. So tell us your name and what you were doing before Escapages. So my name's Stephen Lockyer and I'm the co-founder of Escapages. Um, I set Escapages up with my best friend, Matt, um, and he's genuinely my best friend. So we uh, were 
friends from a youth club from about 14 or 15. He's a few years older than me, but he looks much older than me. Um, and uh, he's got an amazing, amazing, brilliant mind. Mine, mine is like a scattergun, whereas his is very, very thorough. And one of these people who could, he would be a great guest on QI. Um, he's really, really good. Um, and, and we just spar off at each other the whole time. Uh, and uh, we have fantastic fun together. And, and I started doing these puzzles, started because I've always been fascinated by puzzles and codes and things. And started doing these puzzles that I'd st seen online and puzzled pint, things like that. And I said to Matt, this this is this is our bread and butter this is it's almost like these are the gifts that have been given to us that we haven't found yet and we got into it and said right let's let's write our own book let's write our own book so we started writing one together disaster like we would we would do a puzzle each and it just blended into two stories but we didn't fall out over it we just blended into two stories um so we ended up with two books that we published um which were miracle 47 and prisoner 7 i think that's right and then we carried on from there and escapages is now our little baby so talk to me about making the decision to house your story in like a book versus the other mediums you could have used Okay, so uh, I I came up with a full deck because um, I find that I keep and store tons of rubbish, ephemera. So I keep all my receipts, I keep all, all cards, little slips of paper. I've got a slight obsession with people who leave shopping lists in, in the shopping basket because I think you can tell an awful lot by a, a person's shopping list. And I'm just, I was sitting there with all this stuff, like, as I'm constantly clearing it away, I, I keep it for no reason. But even as a young child, there's a, there's a part in Dr. No, um, in the film Dr. No, where he opens a piece of paper and even that little piece of paper, I love the sound of the fold. So I've I'm just a I mean it's it's bordering on fetish I'll admit that um as I said in my counseling group um but I wanted to make a puzzle game that that was not a book but based on little pieces of paper and I had an obsession with crime boards uh, in the UK we we obsessed with like the darker the better crime scenes and there's loads of drama crime dramas where they have the crime board and they pin up the suspects and they, you've got photographs and stuff and they draw strings across and uh, I just thought that was just brilliant and lots of the games that I was seeing were either a book or on a table with friends um laughing laughing along and drinking a glass of wine and I thought oh no I want people to sort of clear a space and create a crime board um with pin boards and want to be those detectives because you know that's that's part of the pleasure and having all these clues together I thought well, what would be a good narrative to tie it together and I thought a nice challenge would be to to have a deck of cards so what I set up to do was I collected a, a list of ephemera and I got a pack of cards and I shuffled them so I dealt it out uh, randomly so I had I had no bent towards a particular card going with a particular item so it was random and I built the story using the ephemera and building the story around a detective that wants to find this a rookie detective sorry who wants to find this uh, serial killer who's having trouble sleeping uh, and I want a serial killer who is so so twisted and wanting revenge that they've come up with this uh, overly complex, uh, hyper elaborate, and uh, when you look at it, uh, paper thin um, strategy for uh, killing a series of people that. And, and let's be honest, if you if you have played full deck, you would be ahead of the curve in terms of joining the dots about how they're related. But the detective can't for whatever reason. And part of that is a charm for a player, isn't it? To, to actually try and beat the detective. We don't want to be fooled the whole time. We want to be slightly ahead of it. So I thought, what a nice package to have. Uh, 54 pieces of assorted receipts and cards and uh, tickets and bookmarks and whatever um, and a serial killer's diary because who doesn't want to read a serial killer's diary and a sleep journal of a detective who's who's struggling um, and uh, so I got to do I got to be Bridget Jones when I was writing the, the uh, sleep journal uh, I got to get to got to be the lost and found department of the London Underground when I was making my ephemera and I got to be a complete psychopath when writing masterpiece and I found it really hard because I'd I would write like half an hour and then just go and find some sunshine or look at pictures of of my children or just sort of count for blessings eat cheese you know it's it's really hard to write dark stuff and not let it affect you and I'm quite a I'm quite a jolly, upbeat, positive person. And and I really hated this character. And I thought, well, that's good. If I'm writing a character that I hate, then hopefully he really comes across as a bit of a, uh, what we would call in the UK, a tosser. 
because he is a tosser. Uh, so that's where Full Deck came out. And uh, the only possible avenue for this for, uh, was for Kickstarter because I'd made all the ephemera and released it daily uh, to our social media gang. Um, but in order to print all of this, I, I you, you need to have a minimum cost, a minimum bar. Uh, and then I got excited about Masterpiece, so I had it uh, hand-bound and, and hand-printed with Rhizos by a company in the UK. So it, it comes together as a nice, uh, weird, but nice package. You've done a number of these types of books. What limitations do you inevitably run in using this medium? Okay, so the limitations of using the medium. Um, I, I've written books in the past non non puzzle books um i've got author back catalogue um and i am also a book obsessive i like i love reading so i think that's my natural go to um i think i have played more group group puzzles and group games and there is a dynamic but there's also a setting out of time for that so it's not like you can oh I'm, you know the bus is late i can carry on playing with this game it's almost like right we need to clear the decks we've got an hour we can play this game and it becomes an event and i'm not saying that that's in any way bad but i like the fact that books can be a pick up put down type of event um the limitations i mean the limitations are what, what you put on them i would love to be more artistic and i'd love to do more hand-drawn stuff um i don't have any skills in there like all the stuff that i've designed i've had to work uh, and get training for and i've done lots of uh, online courses so that i can improve um my trade as it were um and and a lot of that is uh, pushing my limitations and i'd love to be more artistic and have more artistic events uh, and 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 explore beyond paper and uh, a friend uh, who's a puzzle maker james from australia said that this sort of puzzling escape community uh, we're we're at the sega mega drive uh, stage of technology and, and it's gonna it's gonna blow your mind what what comes next and and even in six months things have changed so the things that i'm playing now are very different to the things that i was playing six months ago and very different to what's being advertised for the future so it's kind of fascinating to see where it's going uh, and and as a as a maker you want you want to sort of predict where it's going like that, that i can't remember who said it uh, but it said the best way of predicting the future is to invent it. And I love that. And I think, like, again, Rodney Copperbottom, see a need, fill a need. I, I've tried to make the puzzles that I'd want to play. Uh, and now I'm thinking I've played these games, which are much bigger and more, in more scope and lots of layers and envelopes and, and containers. And I'm not sure if it's exactly where I want to go, but it's somewhere that, that we as escapators are exploring, certainly. So... In this type of medium, or you know, in the work you've been doing, how do you approach puzzle design? Okay, so uh, I approach puzzle design backwards. I would say uh, I saw I saw someone had laid out their sort of order of operations for their roadmap, if you like, and they they had puzzles first, and I think that I'm I'm puzzles second. So I had the storyline for full deck fully worked out. Uh, before I went near, I knew for the sleep journal that's red acted. So there's like 108 words that are missing that you have to try and work out to get the story going. Um, because uh, I am naturally curious. I think the people who are puzzlers are naturally curious. If you go to um, a historical building, we've got lots of them in the UK, too many. Um, and some of them have signs saying uh, private, do, do not enter. Uh, on the door and i always try the handle because i want to know because like, i'm nosy uh sorry not nosy curious i'm curious um and so i, I wanted to know i want i want to know about the narrative and i want to find that out first and then the, then the puzzles come afterwards like what puzzle would work best with this narrative that fits in with the story theme itself um so puzzles second uh i think probably critics would say well that's very very obvious um but i would say that uh, i i really like and we hate those people no i'm joking um I, I i love a narrative and i want to get swept up in it because then i find that that leap that one leap as a puzzle i will jump into so i do try and make the puzzles tie into what i'm believing the story would be like i know we've talked about this a little bit already but i want to deep dive into it a little bit more talk to us about sculpting your narrative because obviously this is what your background is is this is what you're passionate about how do you go about 
figuring out a super complex story like full deck in essence a narrative is a story that's interesting enough that you don't have all the information to uh so if for example uh if if you if someone gives you the book gone girl and says oh by the way she's alive and they hate each other it's like well i don't need to read this anymore and for those people who are about to read gone girl i'm really sorry I'm sorry, guys, um, but but you've given away the driving force of who are these people I want to know more. Um, I think back to narrative as being a bit like um, Indiana Jones, where he's looking in the sand and he brushes the sand off and you can see something there. Uh, and the author has control of that sand and they pushes that they push that sand aside for you. And some of the time they're pushing the sand so that you can see something that's useful. And sometimes they push the sand away so it's not useful. Uh, and I love the idea of narrative forcing you to ask the questions that the author wants you to ask. So it takes you on that journey. I know that Trey Parker talks about um, narrative being and therefore rather than and then. And you think about a series like Ozark, where nothing happens without a specific reason for it happening. And the story is driven forward by an event happens. And because of that event, another event happens. So certainly in terms of my narrative, I'm always trying to think, um, what does the what does the reader know? What would they want to know? What do I want them to know? And what, what do I want to happen next that's going to reveal more of the information? So that that and therefore part. But definitely, um, there's a there's a trope that uh, the best the, the the purpose of a first line of a story is to make you want to read the second line and the se- purpose of the second line. And I'm more you can do that, but you're walking along a path looking down. Whereas I want the reader to be looking up going, what the hell is up there? I want to know. Uh, And some of those, some of the books that are the most amazing books to read are those ones where you're racing through it and also at the same time regretting that you're racing because you don't want it to finish. So there's a beast of a book called All the Light We Cannot See. And it's it's a three point narrative. So you have a girl does a chapter, boy does a chapter, girl does a chapter, boy does a chapter, third character does a chapter. Uh, and it's a huge book. And yet you're reading it and you read it like you can feel your heart rate incre- increasing and racing as you're getting to the end. And yet it's like 600, 700 pages. pages. Um, and so when I'm trying to create the narrative, I'm trying to create a character that is so in that that are so intriguing that you want to find out more, but the, the puzzle is almost hiding some of the story back. So uh, if you're reading Sleep Journal, there's a really key detail about uh, the detective's father that you keep at the very end. And if you announce that on page one, then there's no driving force to actually wanting to know anything about that. There's a key detail about the the killer that if you know at the very start then then it makes everything else really really obvious obvious and i don't i want to keep those rose tinted glasses on and keep it intriguing so that there's so there's so not just the puzzle that's driving you forward but also the narrative is like but i never mind the puzzles i want to find out who the killer is and why they're killing all these people and if they get away with it and if the detective catches it and i want to have all those questions burning in the reader's mind what can we expect from the future of escapages do you have any other ideas for different types of games that you want to do in the future? Uh, okay, so this is going to be a massive spoiler alert, I would imagine. Um, so I'm going to talk about some future projects. Some of them, some of them are going to be cloaked. So uh, it's a, a bit like a puzzle. You're going to have to try and work them out yourself. Uh, and if you want to know more, I'm open to bribes. Um, but some I'll tell you blatantly. So uh, I'm not sure exactly when this podcast is broadcasting, but if it's broadcasting between the maybe the 8th and the 14th of April, then Escapages have got a Kickstarter. It's a really small Kickstarter, um, and it's for a project called Ashwell, which is a made-up band, uh, and we created a tour brochure for the band, and the band had huge success, like unparalleled success, and have vanished. And their clues are in the the tour brochure. And uh, that came from the fact that the, the, the one person who would defend a band more with a secret are their fans. So the, the idea is that the secret is kept among the fans themselves as well. So it also has got a keepsake uh, fanzine 
um, build onto it. So you can buy the tour brochure and just play the puzzles, find the meta puzzle. That's that's quite fun. But we're also offering uh, a package of resources and items and elements to build your own fanzine, to build, to carry the story forward. And we're really keen to see where people will take the story forward. Because basically, if you solve the puzzle for this one, you get to a certain point and go, there's a big aha moment in it where you discover where the band have gone and why, and and also giving a little bit away why they've been so successful, um, because it's it is mysterious why they've been so just so successful, um, and we'd really like to see the the part two from people who love fans because because we're obsessed with narrative, we're obsessed with narrative. Um, also, the other thing we're working on, um, so we've got like lots of ideas matt and i both have lots and lots of ideas and we're supposed to rein each other in but we don't so one thing that we are working on is the world's smallest escape room uh, and that is going to be uh pretty small that is going to be uh if i can give you a definition it will it will fit into a space a deck of cards would take up uh, and yet has got a phenomenal amount of possibilities. It has an electronic element to it, um, uh, which uh, for those people who don't know, um, Matt is my co-founder co in Escapages, and he designs, he comes up with and designs um, mixing desks for concerts and recording studios. So his brain is his like that. And uh, and I just like a pea chasing after him going, that's a good idea. I've got a good idea. Hold on, Matt, wait for me. Um, so basically, uh, we've come up with the, the idea of the world's smallest escape room. Uh, which has got it's got a it's got a far better name than that but that's all i'm going to tell you but it's very very small and we're hoping to have that ready by the end of the year and we've got some other ideas so i'm working separately on um a multi mail out and i'm also working on a subscription model uh for puzzling children and that's not children who are puzzling that would be brutal uh, this is children uh who are basically the offspring of puzzlers so uh, I'm working on something for those young, curious minds, uh, which is as good as going to be a subscription model. Um, but I'm working on that, playtesting that at the moment. Um, quite excited about that uh, for the future. So that, you know, that's just the next six months. We're going to, who knows where it's going to go after that. But hopefully not, you know, further than the escape tin, the smaller, world's smallest escape room. Yeah. I want to play all of those games now. But our last question for you, we ask this to everybody that comes on the show. What games are you playing currently that you think our listeners should check out? So uh, I just finished playing uh, Soup. Um, and I saw it advertised an awful lot. And uh, Angela, who is um, she's on Facebook and, and seemingly knows exactly what people are interested in, um, uh, I spoke to her about it, so I got soup and uh, played that with initially my whole family, but there's quite a lot of us, quite a herd, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I could see, we played it on a Saturday night, and this is what I talked about, carving out time, played it on a Saturday night, I could see my older two boys getting anxious about their League of Legends time and their... Um, um, their so Discord, their Discord time slowly disappearing, the sands of internet time disappearing, uh, and so they were semi-involved. Uh, my youngest son was um, had become less involved with uh, the lack of food and snacks on the table. My daughter was uh, fully in, uh, and we loved to. Um, the level of uh, personalization is just phenomenal. I've I've never had. Uh, like obviously, you have an envelope with your name on it, but you never get then a letter. Uh, inside with your name on it and then an id card with your name and your photo on it i mean you know i'm sure that soup is probably illegal in terms of stalking uh, in some countries but angela's done an amazing job and i know that soup is a cracker nut mystery and i know that it's uh, made by angela and others and the, the the quality is just brilliant uh really really nice spin on uh, a simple puzzle. So, for example, there's one where there are three torn up letters and it's a logic puzzle, but yeah, they're torn up letters. So first thing you will do is a bit of a letter jigsaw and then you've got to read through the letter. It's And it's really, really clever spin on, on, on simple puzzles. So we loved it. We really, really loved it. And we've got another one uh, from Krakenut, I believe, to play. Uh, it's coming to the Easter holidays in the UK. So we're, we're hoping to play that. And we've also got 
um, micro macro city crimes, um, which I cannot wait. So I've got that for the children. It's a tablecloth essentially uh, of a cityscape with a whole load of rabbits. The whole thing is black and white and it's genius. The whole thing is black and white. Rabbits are bouncing around everywhere um, and you've got to solve these crimes by using a magnifying glass. And I bought it essentially just to keep my children quiet for five or six minutes. I'm looking six minutes tops would be really, really nice. I pour myself a glass of wine, give them the first challenge and then just soak that up, revel in it, revel in it. Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. That was awesome. We're hyped about those future projects. I, I know. I'm very excited to say the least. It's it's going to be really great. If you're out there and if you want to check out some of their other games, they have a couple of other books, head over to escapages.co.uk to check out all the different projects mm-hmm. that they have been working on. There's some really cool stuff. Um, there's even a really cool adventure where if you have someone that you enjoy playing games with they have a book you have a book and together you have to figure out the puzzle together which i think is really cool but be sure to go check them out for us what you can do to help out puzzling company in our future endeavors it's simple download us put us on a regular download schedule subscribe go to social media shoot us a like you can find us on instagram at puzzling company or just puzzling company and be looking out for our new website which coming soon which we're really really excited about yes i uh, you guys don't even understand the excitement that I have for the website, to say the least. It's going to be really cool. But that is going to wrap us up for today. For Jared and Zach, this is Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. Puzzling.